for thousands of years, uh, First Nations people have developed a deep relationship with the Dingo. But since colonization, there have been many misconceptions about the animal. Misconceptions that have led to the dingo almost being wiped out through baitings, uh, trappings and even shootings. The dingo is one of the rare native uh, animals that is not protected as an endangered uh, species. But now, a new forum, organized by the Geringon Aboriginal Corporation, is seeking to dispel some of the misconceptions about the dingo. And to explore the First Nations Dingo Forum, I'm joined by uh, Sonia Takao and Chris Marita. Sonia is a media and communication officer at the Gerangon Aboriginal Corporation. Chris is ranger coordinator and joint acting executive officer in Gerangon Aboriginal Corporation. Sonia and Chris, welcome to NITV Radio. Thank you. Now, first of all, one of the myths or misconceptions about the dingo is uh, within the First Nations communities themselves because... Uh, Though they have had a long relationship with the animal, many a First Nations person believes uh, the dingo is a protected species. I think because we've always had a companionship with them and they've been so uh, significant to us as First Nations peoples, Bertrand, and we've always classified them as a native animal. Uh, we've never questioned that. So we've just always believed that they were a native animal of Australia and had protections just like every other native animal across this landscape that we call Australia. It is believed one of the misconceptions of uh, this animal being um, misconstrued and uh, hunted down and uh, trapped and uh, baited and shot almost to extinction. It stems from uh, pastoralists encroaching on their land and uh, portraying the dingo as a pest. I'm of the opinion that that is correct. Um, I don't see, like for us, that we will never ever classify them as a pest. You know, growing up from a young girl, I've always been told by my father, my elder, and my family members who are very strongly tied through our family system or what we call our kinship system to the dingo through our dingo story. We've never ever thought of them as a pest but rather a a loving family member a companion my father has always said that they actually helped us survive you know through hunting and and gathering because they're very smart intelligent animal so I suppose how myself as an Aboriginal person views the dingo to someone of non-Indigenous background that is going to be completely different Um, and it's for those reasons that you know we've had a held a very long relationship with um the dingo you know for a very long time and that positive uh, interaction with the dingo is um widespread across the continent you know i can't speak for mob up up in the northern territory because the land's different the language is different and the culture's different to me as a jittabal rainforest aboriginal person Um, And that's why we don't speak for another tribe. But we do know, in essence, that there is a connection there with that animal. Um, And I suppose that's where Western science comes into it with the research that's been written down by early explorers right through to currently now in contemporary society, you know, that there's this massive, massive connection 
um, to the dingo that can be seen quite clearly from First Nations people and how they view the dingo um, in this country, which is completely different to Western perspectives. Um, but also, I think, you know, science is through early explorers writing down about the dingo and their interactions with Aboriginal people just down the road from us here in North Queensland, Carl Lumholtz um, was a Norwegian explorer that came here through the 19, mm. early 1900s on one of the tribal groups that we um, look after, and that's Watagame people. You know, he recorded a lot about watching the interactions of rainforest Watagame people with the dingo. Carl Lumholtz actually writes in his early writings that one of the Aboriginal men there that helped catch the uh, Lumholtz tree kangaroo, what we know, which was named after him, um, was actually caught by one of the Aboriginal men and his companion Dingo. And he writes about the Dingo having a, a strong relationship with Warragamay people there. But my point is, is that when we hold this forum this week in Cairns, I'm really excited because there's going to be so many First Nations people coming together in this one area and it's going to be really wonderful to hear from their mouths themselves, not what was written down by early explorers or current science now, but from the oral traditions and histories of these First Nations peoples themselves, what the dingo means to them and how we can all work together to try and achieve some kind of way forward in protecting them. So most of what we know nowadays about the dingo stems mainly from uh, the white settler narrative and uh, less about uh, what First Nations people themselves talk say about the dingo. Bertrand, I really think it's the first time ever in Australia that we've really been able to come together and have this conversation. You know, the first fleet arrived here in the country with their sheep and their cattle Straight away, the, the dingo being the apex predator that it is, these these new things came in onto the dingo's land, just like they did with us, and displaced the dingo. And the misconceptions and the myths started, and it didn't start with us. It started with, you know, um, the settlers, the British, um, that this animal had to be eradicated because it was a threat to their livelihood and making, you know, economic development. And I suppose, you know, this is where Aboriginal thinking is totally different to Western thinking because we're all about the environment, living in harmony with it, coexisting. Our culture is about sharing and making sure our families are looked after in that way. Um, whereas Western culture came in thinking that they could just take the land and set up the cattle and sheep farm straight away and unfortunately the environment doesn't work like that the, the dingo was there all along I say that when you work on country you have to see the country holistically how we view the country so for example if you touch one thing in the environment what else is that going to do to everything else that's connected to that one thing within the environment and that's what we've done with the dingo. We've just come in, you know, Western cultures come in, set up enterprise, thinking they could just take the land and live happily ever after. But 
there's nature and you know these animals and plants have just as much right to be here than humans and that's the thinking that aboriginal people have always lived by yeah. um as you know that's my opinion is that we've always lived with harm in harmony with nature we've never tried to um defeat it because we know that we're going to end up at the losing end of of nature if she can come back and hit hit us in a pretty bad way that's why you need to look after her and yeah 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 yeah, yeah. just going on from what you're saying before um you know this is you know probably you know the first time indigenous people from across australia have come together you know in regards to the dingo um we know nationwide the dingo as an animal, um, especially in Australia, is a, and dingo management is a very um, contentious issue. But, um, you know, this is about Indigenous people um, having a say about the dingo in regards to management. Um, you know, we want to hear the stories from um, traditional owners, um, you know, their concerns, also, um, you know, what's happening on their country as well in, in terms of, you know, the work that they're doing in regards to monitoring the dingoes, potentially working with landholders as well. It's all about um, Indigenous people coming together and raising the issue of dingoes and more about us having a say about the management as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what outcome uh, do you expect uh, from uh, the forum? One of the things we're, we're looking at first and foremost is setting up a national um, lingo yeah, network yeah. And, and potentially a steering, maybe a steering committee as well. So I think that that's one of the you know, first things that, that we're looking at and really, really forming with our traditional owners just so any issues and concerns that are raised, you know, it can go through that um, through that network and through that through that committee. And uh, are there any resources or website uh, where you can direct our listeners to get more information about uh, this forum and uh, the misconceptions about the dingo and the outcome expected from the forum? There is a page, a landing page on um, our website at Durigan Aboriginal Corporation, which is www.gurigan.com um, there's some information there um, we will be li- live streaming but it will be to invitation mm. only but we will have someone edit that live stream and we will put it up at a later time um, for people that would like to go in and, and have a look at it and it will be put up on the landing page but um, yeah I think you know, just keep watching our social medias as well. Um, I think that's the best way to reach our people, you know, is through social media platforms. It's early days for First Nations people. This is the first gathering and this is the first time we've come together for the dingo. It's a conversation that has been brewing for quite some time because I think we felt like We've been left out of the, this this conversation for, for a very, very long time. And look, let's be honest, it has been a one-sided conversation, but unfortunately there's another stakeholder there. Um, there's over 240 different tribal groups 
on this landmass that we call Australia. I'm pretty sure and I think our confidence will even be cemented even further at this forum that, um, you know, these Aboriginal groups that are coming from South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, Northern Territory, Western Australia, they're coming because they want to have a say. The response from First Nations peoples across Australia was massive, um, but people don't have the money, you know, they want to come, but that's where the live streaming will come in. So, you know, we've already got nearly 120 people confirmed, but I can just imagine how many more are going to come in on the live stream when we send that invitation out tomorrow um, because it's a conversation that a lot of First Nations people wanted to come and have, but unfortunately due to um, financial restraints weren't able to, to come. These are the, the, the people that we keep with us and we follow up after this. So it's just early days. We'll see where this goes. Two of the things that Chris touched on, one of the outcomes was setting up a national network. The second criteria is that we will be signing and releasing a national First Nations Dingo Declaration statement um, to government to advise, you know, what the significance of the dingo is, what the problem is, and what we as First Nations peoples want and how we want to be involved moving forward. Now, before I let you go, any closing thoughts or something we may have uh, missed that you'd like to bring to the attention of our listeners? One of the key things from this um, forum is to create a new way to educate people because when we've combined... So the idea is to combine Indigenous knowledge with Western science um, because great things can happen when those two things come together. What we want to do is just educate people, you know, out there that the terminology of wild dog, um, you know, the current science is proving now through the work of Dr. Kylie Cairns that they're actually dingoes and most of them are pure. One of the things that we will be pushing at this forum is to get rid of that word wild dog because they're not wild dogs, they're dingoes. And, you know, um, it's not their fault, even if they do have 20% dog ancestry in them. And it would be the same like saying that to me, like I'm a three-quarter caste Aboriginal person. Um, This thing of purity um, has to go out the door now because we need to move with change. And we are never going to get anywhere if we keep saying that, oh, you know, we need to kill that because it's not a pure dingo. That's just not acceptable in our books anymore. And it's got to stop. Getting rid of the wild dog term, calling them dingoes, because that's what they are. And um, moving forward as a nation together. And that means, you know, working with those cattle graziers, uh, identifying those graziers that are currently living and coexisting with dingoes and those that want to trial it. Um, there's so much work that needs to be done around providing evidence and um, case studies are a good way to do that. We've got some already that have started that through the wonderful Landholders for Dingoes organisation who are cattle graziers that, you know, have been coexisting with dingoes on their farm for 
40 odd years and the evidence is there but nobody's the government's still not listening and this has got to change you know we've got to start moving to that word called coexistence with nature we cannot keep killing everything because it doesn't because it upsets us or it upsets a profit we have to start coexisting with nature Sonia Takao and uh, Chris Morita, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio about the upcoming First Nations Dingo Forum. Thank you. Thank you.